0: All right, good morning again, and uh, remember that this podcast is available on your iPhone, through your iTunes store, or on your Android through Google Play. Search the Sylvester team. Uh, When some of you log into that, you may notice that Podcast 200 is missing I am still wondering how in the world that could happen because on my administrative board it totally shows as being there. Uh, I'm going to post it again in GroupMe uh, because we think it is a very valuable podcast and I do not know how or why uh, it is not showing up. Um, Dick, you wanted to give a little bit of recap of last night and also we're going to talk about what, what you say to that person when they either text you back or get you on the phone and say, well, is this required? That's a really
1: good question. And I know if you spend much time on the phone, that is something that you are going to run up against. Uh, had an agent run into that, and rather than just uh, fake it till you make it or get that deer in the headlights look or just uh, hang up not knowing what to say, uh, they called me. <clears throat> and I and my response to it was, "Is um, is this, is this, required? And my answer was, well, it depends. If you don't come home because of a car wreck or a heart attack, neither does your paycheck. Could your wife make the house payment without your income? Well, no. Well, how do you feel about that? Well, not good. Well, your wife might say it is required because she wants to make sure she's going to get to stay in the house. The bank is not requiring it, but where do, where do things stand with your family? So flipping it back to them to try to determine where the pain is, it depends. You know, basically, is it important to you to make sure your family stays in the house and you just ask a couple of three probing questions to expose that pain, and then you just ask them, well, how important is it for you to keep your family in the house? Well, how much is it? Well, it depends on how long you want to keep your family in the home. Do you want to keep them in a year, three years, five years, 20 years, or forever? And by doing this, you're really not being confrontational. You're just exposing the pain for what it is. So when you run across that, stop and think about how can I flip this back on them. Uh, today's call, I I had prepared some things last week based on Barry's call, And I really didn't want to let it slide for those of you that listened to it. uh, Tony and Kara Bates had made the comment their two biggest takeaways from a week ago Monday's call was the first thing was you beat 50% of the people by just showing up. That was one of the takeaways that was most important to them and to me. Um, And the second thing to me and to them was, and to a number of you that I've talked to is the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Um, you know, that's why you teach children early on how to make the bed. And one, why? Because they've accomplished something for the day they've gotten something done. And secondly, the way they make the bed, that's going to dictate how they do other things in life. So it's our job, both as parents and also as a manager on a call like this, is to help people do it the right way. Uh, One of the things that really shocked me um, I read an article recently that said that if somebody, um, it's been shown that if somebody loses their job for whatever reason, COVID, some kind of an injury, they get laid off, if they qualify for some type of assistance and they don't return to work, once they qualified for that assistance, if they've been off work, some three weeks or longer, others have a little better work ethic, three months or longer, If those people are off that period of time, the probability of them returning back to work is less than 50%. Now, I bring that up because that does not represent the top 25 agents of Equus, and we're going to talk more about that in a minute. But one of the reasons I I bring that up is it brings us to another level of your business, and that being you tracking your business. And see, the reason for tracking your business, it allows you to see real quickly where your strong points are, and it reveals areas that need work. I had a conversation this past week about an agent that just had trouble with their schedule and managing their leads. Now, that may sound like a simple task, But it is more involved than it sounds, but it is very important to learn to do that. You know, one of the things we need to recognize is, guys, we're in business. You know, we are in business. We're in business for ourselves, but fortunately not by ourselves. And I just want you to understand, if you're struggling with this, all business is a lonely place to be when you're the entrepreneur. And, guys, that's what we are. Um, You know, when we first start this business, you're the chief cook, bottle washer, cashier, and janitor. And that situation doesn't change at all with the insurance business because when the leads come in, we're responsible for organizing them. We're responsible for calling them. We're responsible for setting appointments. We're responsible for running those appointments, whether it be virtual or otherwise. We're responsible for finding first what their pain is and then providing them with a the solution. So we're in business, but you do have a lot of a lot of support. And just realize it is lonely out there, which is why we encourage more and more of you to give us a call. Uh, I had several calls last week. where It was the first time, that, and I reached out in most situations because I hadn't heard from the people. And just a slight word of encouragement or slight adjustment in a presentation or a phone script it's going to make a lot of difference in their lives. What I shared that Connie asked me to cover a moment ago about what to say uh, when people ask the simple question, well, is this required? You know, you ought to hear some of the lengthy uh, explanations people have. Well, no, but, you know, um, turn it back on them. But how would you ever think about that or figure that out without some help? So take that into mind and, and call for help. Um, one of the things, we're responsible for managing our leads and so on. And, you know, managing leads is much like wrestling an alligator. Once you finally get the head under control and you feel like you got this, the tail comes back around and smacks you upside of the head. And uh, our business, most business, is not any different. Now, one of the things to keep in mind is since the beginning of time, uh, businesses have always needed people to talk to. You know, um, back in the days when they were selling snake oil, you know, they would come into town and set up a dog and pony show and they'd get people to come in and buy. Uh, you know, I, I remember Connie telling the story about buying something at the state fair that would cut a penny. And um, it did. And I, I know it cut it once, I don't know how many times, but her dad – made light of it. And uh, I know it hurt, hurt feelings because you think you're doing the right thing. But the point of that is whether the, the knife or the scissors or whatever works long term is, you tell your story enough times, five times a day, you can't help but be successful because somebody's going to buy something. Well, it boils down to a couple of things. One is activity. You know, the first thing that we have to do is we have to do activity and in terms of producing or procuring prospects. Uh, that's paramount. That's what we call lead generation. And Equus has several options to help with this. Um, we have a number of lead sources that we use, different types of leads, uh, to the tune of generating five, 6,000 leads a week for the Equus Nation. That's a very important part of what we do, and I just hope everybody on the call today will come away with a different appreciation of what that's done for you. If we ever hire an agent, like um, from some of the other agencies, especially some of the finally-spends companies that really don't have much of a lead generation, they have enough for about five agents, but they keep recycling the leads over and over and over, or when you start at some companies, they give you a book of business, and a poor client knows every time they got a new agent because they get another phone call trying to sell them something. Um, now, that does work to a degree because people's lives change every 90 days to the point that they can get sales, which is how they've built that model. But, buddy, it's tough on the agent. So activity is number one. Second, we need to understand how we lead people to the point that they take an action a.k.a. how to make a sale. Um, we saw that last week in Bridget, uh, how she handled the client when we had her on the call last week. You know how she she just had a different attitude. She's developed a lot more confidence in herself, in the products. And when the client tried to kind of brush her off, she didn't have anything to do with it. She asked a few probing questions and got them thinking. And, and the thing of it is, if we ask disturbing questions, you notice Bridget last week did not interrogate the client because interrogating him is confrontational. She just asked some disturbing questions. And an example of that would be, John, uh, you may not need this product, this insurance, but where would your family live? God forbid you didn't come home because of a car wreck or heart attack. Guys, uh, that's a probing question that people um Are in denial about they're in denial about what would happen to their family and if we let them get by with it we're not doing them or their family yourself the company or the carriers justice or we're not being right with them let's not allow people to live in that denial let's not beat them with a club over it but let's bring it let's pull that thing up and bring it um to the surface And I want to point out to you, you can ask three disturbing questions before you start making people mad. Um, For example, on that, well, where would your family live? Well, with her sister. Well, how do you think her sister's husband and children would feel about that after about six months? Well, would the kids have to change schools? Yes. How do you feel? about making your children lose all their old friends and have to gain new ones? Well, not good. See, there's three probing questions we've asked there. Well, if we could allow your family to stay in this house, now we're giving them a solution. If we could allow your family to stay in this house and give them time to make that transition, and we could do that for somewhere between a dollar and $2 a day, Would that be important to you? Now, see, what I just did is we asked three probing questions. We gave a solution. Now you've got permission um, implied, at any rate, to ask three more probing questions because you've given them one solution. But if you ask them five or six probing questions without a solution, they start getting irritated. They feel like they have been... um, um, interrogated, okay. Um, That transition purpose, you know, sometimes you can ask three probing questions, and then you point out, let me explain to you why I ask these questions, because you're looking for some coverage, but you want to know in your mind you're getting the best coverage for the price and the one that's going to operate and do what you need done. You know, you're kind of transitioning why you're asking the questions, that allows you to ask questions. Because if you remember when Bridget made that comment, some of the questions she was asking the lady that already bought, she got irritated real quick. Bridget did a transition into why she was asking the questions, and it changed everything. See, one of my sales last week was approved uh, the next day. And I text the the agent to give him the good news and reminded him that he had the $250,000 with money back. It was in force. God forbid something happened. His family was covered. Now, unlike Bridget's client, who had already bought from another agent, um, mine had not bought. But mine uh, got back with me the very next day and thanked me. Uh, for asking those questions. You know, I'd ask a couple disturbing questions. And uh, in his case, I'd ask him, I always use the word John because I don't identify who I'm talking about, but I just ask him, I said, John, God forbid you don't come home because of a car wreck or a heart attack. Who's responsible for the well-being of your children and raising them? You know, if you and your wife go out on a, a date night and a text, teenager texting runs into the two of you, and you don't come home, do you think it's fair to ask someone else to raise your children with no financial support? And the look on his face was priceless. He was so thankful later. Now, had he thought about those things, they were so far down on his radar screen. Why? Because he was in denial. Who gets up that morning thinking, I may not come home tonight? None of us do. Could happen. Could happen but none of us think about it, but we need to be prepared for that. You know, the the probability or possibility of a a premature death just doesn't hit most people's uh, radar screen at all. Um, He thanked me for the peace of mind that he now had and the fact that his family is in a good financial situation if something happens. See, I want to encourage everybody not to focus on how hard this business or any business is but rather focus on the reward for your hard work. You know, take the time to study the top 25 agents at Equus Financial. Now, let me tell you a little bit about, some, about them. Uh, they've all developed their skills uh, in life to win. The way they do one thing is the way they do everything. Um, they, for all intent and purposes, were pretty much average and ordinary people who trained themselves to do extraordinary uh, things, you know, and you might be tempted to think, well, I can't, I could never compete at that level with the top 25. Frankly, I could never have competed with the uh, folks at the Olympics. You know, I probably couldn't have even made the junior team in my high school with some of those things. But it doesn't take away my respect for what they did, and I've applied some of the principles that they followed in their life For the career that I was interested in doing then. And, you know, just take a look at some of the agents who wrote $5,000 or more per week last week. I think everybody on the call here can compete with them. But I want to give you a little summation of a few of the people that I know in the top 25. Um, Brandon Hall, um, $30,000 a week. Um, He sold office equipment. Now, what made Brandon Hall different when he got here? Well, when he was selling office equipment, he showed up every day. Uh, He became a student of that business. He became good at connecting with people. Um, He learned a little bit about each of the products they were selling, and he he did earn a six-figure income. But he took that same lifestyle in terms of work ethic, applied it here, each year got better to the point that he went from a six-figure income selling office equipment to a seven-figure income selling insurance. Claudia or Matthew, uh, she owned a janitorial cleaning service. They cleaned doctor's offices at night. That was what she was doing. Um, she was number nine last week or that week, did $17,000 in premium. Deanna Cooper, she was a parole officer, had been a parole officer for 18 years, was making $50,000 a year as a parole officer. In 18 years, she hadn't made enough money to pay off her student loans, did $16,000 that week, and is on track this year to earn between six and $800,000. Uh, Connor Jones, a high school student, was 14 dollars that week, $15,000 in premium. Matt Gibbons. He knocked on doors and collected past due bills, 13000 for the week. Christian Pounder was a construction worker, 11000 for the week. He was number 23. And number 25 for last week was Andrew Pappas, a garbage truck driver. 25 in the company, 11000 a week. Andrew Pappas is the one I think, if anybody could relate to, all Andrew wanted to do was making an extra $1,000 a month so he could buy a second car for his wife. He was making $41,000 a year in Detroit as a garbage truck driver, and that wasn't enough money to send his child to kindergarten, private school, and also buy a second car. So, you know, tell me what makes you think you couldn't compete with any of these people, Um, a garbage truck driver, a construction worker, a collector, a high school student, Come on. I mean, you know, this is is something if we stop and think about and we analyze, we all all can do. I did look at it. There were 88 people over $5,000 for the week, and um, 88 over 5,000 who were not in the top 25, and there were 96 people over 3,000 a week, and the reason I bring that up, you know, $3,000 Three thousand a week after lead cost, guys. That's still a seventy to a seventy-five thousand dollar year income. Just doing three thousand dollars a week in premium. So we had a hundred and eighty-four people that week, uh, earning between seventy-five thousand a year or on track to that and a million dollars a year. Now, what's the difference about them? Well, I can guarantee you, they all show up. They beat half the population by showing up. Uh, most important is the way they do, did one thing prior to getting into this business is the way they do everything is they stay back home. Some of these folks are doing it like killing snakes. You drop somebody in a bucket of snakes, they're going to be killing them like crazy. Well, that's kind of the way some of those people operate. Um, but the good news is from those 180 number 184 and up to the top 25, all of those now are becoming students of the business. And you know what? They're going to be pushing some of those people in the top 25. Those people in the top 25 are going to have to actually get better, which they will because of the nature of who they are. But these guys are going to push them up, and it's a classic example of a rising tide raising all ships. You know, Uh, personal development is a part of everything that all these guys do: reading and listening. Uh, They work more and more to develop themselves so that they can help develop other people. Um, They're spending time with agent guides, product brochures. They're looking for a way uh, to present products and things and be more effective and more useful. Now, we talk about some of those benefits, you know. Uh, Where did critical period come from? Because, guys, that that was not a integral part of our industry 10 years ago. And a couple of agents at at another company, they kind of developed this critical period idea. And I want to share something with you. I always looked at critical period differently. I always looked at equity protection, but I want to share a story with you that happened. I had a client uh, when I called on her, she was a widow, and she just wanted a a burial plan, um, as it turned out. But she told me the rest of the story when I got there. Her husband had been a well-paid attorney in a local town here close by and had a million-dollar policy on himself. And he decided he was going to cancel. He just didn't want to spend the money on it anymore. They 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 were doing well, and he thought, you know, I really don't need this. My income is high enough. And she made the comment. She said, he didn't ask me about it, but had he asked me, I would have been in complete agreement with it. Well, he cancels the policy, and a few months later, he died unexpectedly. And all he had was a $25,000 policy left. And she made the comment. She said, that saved me from bankruptcy. And I said, well, how how did 25000 save you on a four or $500,000 mortgage? And she said, well, I used 3000 of it for cremation, and that left enough money for me to make 10 house payments. And she did make the comment. She said, thank God, the market was turning down at the time. And she said, uh, I had enough money to make one more payment when the house sold. But that allowed her to get – a not all the equity because the market was dropping, but allowed her to get a significant portion of the equity out of the home because when he died, they had quite a bit of equity on paper. But at any rate, that allowed her to get enough of a down payment to buy a house that she could afford, and she got a, just a job at a retail shop or something. But that changed everything. See, the reason I'm sharing that with you, that's when it really drove home to me the critical period for for people over 60, really the importance of a, tw- a $10,000, or $20,000 whole life policy as an equity protection plan. These things that I'm talking about, these concepts, the insurance company created the product. But what we've done here is we figured out ways to move people to make a decision. Foreclosure protection is of those. Uh, AmeriCo continuation term. That was an agent-driven product. You know, uh, I've been – I talked to two or three carriers over the years about having something that let them have a a 20- or 30-year term, and then at the end of that, let them continue making that payment and have some permanent insurance. So that's where that came from. It's not something the carrier came up with this. It was agent-driven. Return a premium. That was agent-driven. Why? We realized it's, it's, it's something people can't save. Most people are not savers. So what we did is we brought it up with the uh, carriers and made sense to them because it was going to keep business on the books. That was all agent-driven. Um, having uh, Mutual of Omaha, for example, allowing their return of premium to be used to get a paid-up whole life policy, Uh, again, was agent-driven, simplified-issue products. See, I had the privilege of sitting at the table at F&G early in my career and early in this industry when everything we wrote with F&G to begin with, 50% of it, it was all fully underwritten, blood work and everything. 50% of everything we wrote back in those days was either rated or declined. So that was all before simplified-issue. So what we did is we went to F&G and said recreate this product, price it, so we don't have to do blood work and we and we don't have to order medical records. And I remember the actuaries were, were sitting at the table and so were the attorneys and they jumped up and just started, oh, we can't do that. I said, no, or all of us said, no, price it so that you can do that. So they introduced it with these caveats. One, you had to have a mortgage and the mortgage couldn't be over 13 months old because we told them, if you come up with a product, even though it's more expensive, we can sell that benefit, a.k.a. guys, Simplified Issue was issued and started being sold in Virginia, April 28th of 1998. You know, what happened that day is a new industry was born mortgage protection as a niche product and from that point forward that industry went from 20 applications a week to over 200 million right now we feel like we're just getting started and we feel like we're getting started because how why what what's playing into this now well we're going to get better products. They're going to develop and make them even better. Living benefits is an example of that. We didn't have those a few years ago. But we're finding better ways to prospect for leads. Uh, we're getting better at selling. We're getting better at uncovering the needs of the clients so that we can add more products, we can upsell. You know, Now, once we've earned the right to sell somebody one thing, we can pursue other things for example we can maybe offer them a final expense plan we can offer them permanent insurance a lot of our clients need income replacement you know if we sell a mortgage protection they really need three to five years of income replacement on a 20 or 30 years less expensive term so there's there's better ways we're going to find of upselling our clients whatever we're doing today just upselling our clients should double your income next year. No, shouldn't, shouldn't, could possibly double your income next year, just going back working the clients you're working with. So think in terms of how can I make myself better? How can I improve so I can better serve my clients?
0: Rick, that was terrific. I want you to add something uh, to this recording because I know we had ran into it this week um, and so you spoke about the value of simplified issue, the value of it, all right? And that's what we need to convey to our client. Why do you as an agent always c- cut off um, the amount that a person can get at 250000 even though there are carriers, uh, i.e. AmeriCo, who will go to 400000 But guess what you have to do? You have to go to the person's home Or mail them a saliva swab kit. Oh, that just sounds gross to me. I'm not interested. And so, um, and you have to be certified to do it. So if you write 400,000 AmeriCo, oh my goodness, you're you're in for a a rude awakening. So take this to heart as to why Dick always um, only allows a person to get, have the privilege of getting 250,000. That's a very good question, and you're right. It is something
1: we need to deal with. The reason being is we know that simplified issue products are a little more expensive. So if we cut it off at $250,000 as if it's special, that you can only get this amount. Now, if they need more, for example, if I have a dentist who's a type 2 diabetic, and I know he's going to be rated, if we stick him with a needle, I'm going to do 250 with one company, because I don't have any extra requirements with it. And then when that policy is issued, I'll issue a second policy with a different carrier for up to say 250,000. You can do that three or four times and get somebody a million dollars if you want of simplified issue coverage. And there's two reasons for doing that. One, the underwriting is relaxed because we're doing 250,000. And two, you know, three, four, five, ten years down the road, as they have need for less coverage, if that should happen, they can drop one of those off and not jeopardize the whole thing. And that will happen. You know, uh, we have different needs for the amount of insurance now that our six children are grown. So if we had had things and been a little younger, there's a high probability we may have dropped some of that off, Uh, even more so with our clients. So always be be aware and think along those lines, but keep the limit at the 250 and make it like it's it's special and you've got a special opportunity and a privilege to qualify for this.